Hey there, and welcome to the Modus Podcast, First Time Homebuyers Edition. I'm your host, Nate Caldwell with Modus Real Estate. If you are in the beginning stages of buying a home and don't know where to start, stay tuned as we chat about the ins and outs of real estate transactions. Here is your chance to get first-hand advice from the pros in the Denver housing market. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Modus Real Estate Podcast. My name is Nate Caldwell. I'm the host. And in the studio today, we've got Carla. Um, and Carla, you are a loan officer, right? But you specialize in something really cool um, and really sad, too, yeah. maybe. Um, but your specialty is in divorce cases. Yeah. And so um, I've invited you here. And we're, I'm super excited to learn from you. I, this is like something I really know almost nothing about. So I'm excited just to like ask you questions, pick your brain and uh, learn. So if you're listening today and you um, might be going through a divorce and you're wondering what to do with your house or loan or if you can buy again in the future, like all of these kind of questions, stay tuned because we've got some answers for you. So yeah, thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So um, tell me just a little bit why why you got into this. Um, how did that path take you here? Sure. So um, so it, it is a sad topic, or it can be. So I like to look at it from the other side, where I'm here to help people when they find themselves in this space. Um, so I can help them make themselves whole or keep themselves whole after mm. going through the divorce, because it's very traumatic yeah. in the first place. So, um, And then most people that own homes while they're married, they want to own homes after they're divorce yeah too, right yeah, yeah, yeah. So and probably of like a similar like size or like neighborhood or that's where it can get really tricky yeah yeah I imagine <laughs> especially these days because you're splitting up two. what is probably yeah. a two-income household into yes. separate incomes yes. yeah but sometimes they then move on to find somebody else and so it's not always going down to a single income hmm. you know maybe yeah, yeah. just a different dual income yep Okay. Yeah. So yeah, lots of options. There. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. And then I know I actually rent to a, an individual and he's, he's divorced and he, um, wanted extra bedrooms so that his kids could stay with him. And so mm -hmm. sometimes there's those extra bedrooms too, right. That like yeah. kind of adds to, um, yeah, the housing expense, right. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Or when they get together with somebody else, and they have kids, they oh, need extra, yeah, extra, yeah. extra, extra bedrooms. bedrooms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots of bedrooms because at that point, everybody wants their own. Totally. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so what's, what's the first steps? What if, you know, we've got a listener and they are going through a divorce right now and, um, yeah, and that's yeah. really hard, but, um, you know, housing is, is a huge need and it's not yeah. something we can just ignore. Right. Everybody needs it. So... Um, honestly, I think people think it's odd to involve me very early on, but they really need me very early on so that mm -hmm. I can help them through these steps. The big, um, I think the, the big mistake in the way that people do refer me is um, when, when I get that phone call from the person going through the divorce, they're looking at me and they're asking me questions like, well, how much am I going to get from our assets? Or mm -hmm. how much of the house am I going to get? That's not my job. There are calculations that are set by the state that that's how they find those things out. That's how they figure out how much um, child support or maintenance they're going to get or how they're gonna separate the house. Um, my job is to be able to then take that and help them transition that into their new home ownership. So, so the that that you take, um, is that so unique and so different that you can't really like 
get a rough ballpark because like with lending and a client comes to me and wants to buy a house i can ask them okay well what's your income what is your total debts you know then i get you know 50 percent of their you know mm-hmm. and then we can go f- and we get a rough estimate and that's not as good as you know talking to a lender but it's it's an idea so do you get to do you sometimes have an idea of where they're going to fall yeah and so that's where a big problem could happen because a lender that's not certified in divorce and that does not understand all of the nuances with that can really um, wrongly qualify somebody. Mm. And I've jumped in and saved transactions okay, like that. Yeah. So like you might ask, oh, what is your monthly income? And he or she is thinking, well, I'm getting 10 grand a month in, in um, alimony, so that's my income. Yeah. But we, you have to have received that for a certain period of time. On time, it has to be able to be proven and it then has to continue also for a certain period of time or it's useless. Or it doesn't count as Right, they could income. get 10 grand yeah. a month, um, they could be getting 50 grand a month, and if they're only getting it for two years, we can't use it, period. Mm-hmm. But I have a solution for that. So, you know, those are where we can, especially early on prior to the divorce being final, we okay. can come in and help with all of those solutions. So it's really important to be talking to you before the divorce is finalized so that you can, because once it's finalized, it's done. It is, yeah. it's set in stone. You can't really change it. But beforehand. Yeah. yeah. You can. In general. You can. Okay. If, if the parties are amicable, you can absolutely go back oh, and do a okay. modification. Okay. But man, when they're not amicable, which, I mean, how many divorce couples do you know that are hanging Probably out with each other? Probably not very many. Right. Yeah. Right. So that's where it gets really tricky. Um, but we often have to do modifications because people don't come and talk to us first. And attorneys don't know what lending guidelines are. Hmm. So that's the problem. They, they know, they know the rules of how to, how to divorce somebody and what somebody is owed or what they have to pay, but it doesn't always work for lending. Okay. So that's where I come in. So work, you working alongside the attorney to help package a deal for both parties, hopefully, right? Yeah. Um, that is the best option, um, so that they can then requalify each for their own next housing. Or maybe one person is keeping that marital home, and maybe they owe the other person a big chunk of chunk equity, of change, right? Because yeah. we have a lot of equity in our homes today. And that's probably the biggest problem I see right now, is the, the person that's going to keep the marital home owes that person money, but they're also sitting in an interest rate that's... Incredible, in and threes. not going to be getting... So, right. yeah, refinancing so that hard. home, everybody loses. Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes there's not an option. Um, I will tell you in the last year, I've probably helped more people figure out how to stay in that mortgage and not refinance it yet. They're going to have to do it eventually. Eventually. But if they can buy a little bit of time and maybe wait until these rates come down a little bit. Or even if they don't, you've still bought them two more years living on lower borrowed money. Right. Which is savings in and of itself. Yes. Yeah. So that's actually something I really wanted to talk about. Yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a really big misconception about that when one of the borrowers keeps the home and the other one vacates it, but they stay on the loan. So what is the misconception? Yeah. Well, there's a couple of different ways that people look at that. So first of all, let's say Bob and Jane are the married couple that are in the home and Jane's keeping the home and Bob is leaving, but Jane has a two and a half interest rate, so she doesn't want to refinance, right? So if Bob stays on that loan, 
um, and then he wants to go on and purchase a new home, as long as the separation agreement awards that home and that mortgage to Jane, we won't count that payment against Bob. So okay. Bob can move on. So that bumps up his debt to debt. income ratio right. again, and he yeah. can like live without yeah. that so weighing he, him down. Yeah. Yeah. But but if Jane ever makes a late payment, it does. It will you. still hit his credit. Yeah. Okay. And so that's what they have to be careful of. So, so there has to be at least some level of trust still, and some yeah. level of like amicability where it's like, yes. I'm not going to intentionally screw you over because your name is on right. this loan still. But if Bob's name is still on the loan, he has rights to always check. He can always call the mortgage company or look online. To make sure um, there aren't any late payments right. happening. Yep. Yes. And they can put verbiage in the separation agreement that states if Jane ever defaults on that or makes a late payment, that he can force the sale of the home. Okay. So he can he can put language in the that separation does protect agreement himself protect as him. well. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Great. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of like protecting, um, you know, one of the and I don't know if you can answer this question or not, okay. but um, it are are and it sounds like there are some ways that like attorney fees are so expensive and oh, people yeah. are going through a divorce and it just seems like no matter what happens, it's a lose lose situation. So what are maybe some things that people can do that change that lose-lose to at least maybe, maybe not a win-win, but like at least not a lose-lose situation for both sides? So first of all, they can come to the table and agree on some things. Um, they can look at using maybe mediators instead of attorneys mm -hmm. as long as they're amicable. From what I've heard, and I have been divorced, but I've, I've never, there was never anything contested, so it never got ugly and got that far. But um, if, you, if you are duking it out with your spouse yeah. and not coming to any type of agreement and you have to go in front of a judge to settle it for you, I don't think that usually ends well. Yeah. You know? So I think, honestly, people need to figure it out. And, and really, like, you loved each other at one point. So maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe go back Dig to that day, to that. right? Yeah. And and try to figure that out, especially if you have kids. I mean, make it because then you're hurting their college tuition and yeah. their future, yeah. and yeah, yeah. People will say, "I'm going to take him to to the cleaners or her to the cleaners." You're taking yourself to the cleaners. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And your kids. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because you're just burning up fees, just letting it go on and on and on. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So resolving that amicably and really, like you said, working through a mediator, um, really good options, it sounds like. Um, yeah. Easier said than done, I'm sure. Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what, what about, what are some, some one, two, threes of things that people should do? So talk to you, I, I think that is number one, right? Like Yes, and like I said, I wanna do some early work with them, you know, get their application done, know what kind of a loan they're going to be trying to qualify mm -hmm. for because that can change things with how how we want to put together their um like their maintenance package if you want to call yeah. it that. Um but also if you don't know where to start, I have really great resources. So that's mm -hmm. that's something else. I have really great mediators that I work with, really great attorneys that I work with. Um, CPAs. I have some divorce coaches. So I have kind of a whole team. The whole it network, depends yeah. depends on what you need. Mm. Um, so I can be a good place to start regardless. But definitely we want to get the loan, the application done. Because here, this is a good example. 
if you if you maybe have some credit issues and you need to go FHA, we only need to show three months receipt of the maintenance to count that as income. Um, but if you are planning on putting down 20 or 30 or 40 percent on a new house, you probably don't want to go FHA because yeah. you don't want to pay mortgage insurance, right? Yep. So then we need to have six months receipt. So if I'm involved early and you know that you're going to be getting maintenance and we know that you're going to need it to qualify because we've done the application, yeah. we can put temporary orders in place. So we can start that clock ticking on that three months or six months and make sure that you're ready to go when you're ready to go. Yeah. Which is another thing. Being ready to go when you're ready to well, go. Well, yeah. Or... So a lot of people think you have to wait until after your divorce is final before you can do anything and you don't. Oh, interesting. Yeah. 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 Uh, I think, I think if I was, and I have not been divorced, I've never been married, um, but if I was in somebody's shoes, I feel like the, there's so much going on, right? And there's so much emotional strain and things happening. Like, wouldn't it, and I, I'm a real estate agent, so I don't think this, maybe, I don't know, wouldn't it be easier just for them to rent or, or for somebody to rent or... Kind of. Okay, so honestly, I did think that at one time. Yeah. And so I'm thinking of, it, of a specific case that I did, oh, it was probably four years ago. And um, she was putting down quite a bit of money, and um, she wanted to buy right away. And yeah. I said, I, maybe we should look at you just renting. Um, because you're putting down so much money, we want to do a conventional loan. You'll, you're going to have to wait six months, and you've only received one month of maintenance. And uh -huh. she needed it to qualify. So it was the first time that I really sat down and ran those numbers. And when you, when you run the numbers on that and you put in the cost of having to move twice, hmm. trying to find a place to rent yep. in this town. Which is, is not still easy. not easy. Yeah. Right. So we put all of those numbers on paper and I was shocked. It made more sense for her to buy using an FHA loan. And then we waited six months and we did a refinance into a conventional loan. Okay. And I even factored in the cost of that of the additional refi. loan. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it made sense, but even more so, like take the take the financial sense out of it. Emotionally, it made sense for her. Stability. She had kids. Yeah. 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 She she wanted to get them moved into their new home. The divorce was traumatic enough. Yeah. And she wanted to have this space instead of you know, going to an apartment and then relying on a landlord and you know, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that was eye opening for me. Yeah. So that's, that's really, really interesting because like I've run the numbers, I don't know how many times on the rent versus buy option. Yeah. Right. And I am such a fan of buying. Uh, the numbers make sense all day yeah. long, every day, even with high interest rates. Always. Like it just makes sense. Yes. You should buy over rent. And I think intrinsically we all kind of know that even if people don't feel ready. Right. Yes. Um, or it's a big step and it's risky. But when you add that extra element of that emotional trauma from divorce and all of those things, it's like it, you know, genuinely caused me to question. It's like, well, what if you did just wait, you know, for a little bit of time? Right. But, um, but that's awesome that there are options that you can continue um, owning and not, you know, yeah. set yourself back financially, a, you know, a year or two. There's, in, the, in the middle. There's been that. a few times where I've had people reach out to me and say, so I got divorced a year ago. I tried to qualify and I wasn't able to qualify. So I, I do want to try it again, but not, you know, not much has changed. And I'm like, ah, 
I, I wish could have I got you in a year you. ago. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, oh, I had no idea. Um, you know, so um, especially for people that um, maybe are not not employed at all or not full time employed, mm-hmm. um, there are some really great solutions that we can do um, if they are getting any type of a settlement from their divorce. You know, maybe they're getting paid out. So I have an example where if you're getting paid out like five hundred thousand, let's say five hundred thousand okay. from the equity of the home. Um, if you take that money and you put it into a trust, it will generate enough down payment and income for you to qualify for an $800,000 home without even having a job. So those are some of the That's like the power of compounding interest, yeah. Yeah. Well, not really. It's the power of using trust income. Okay. So, um, and so here's a person that maybe they left the divorce with only 500,000 but they don't want a $500,000 home. Yeah. So yeah. they're renting because they think they can't qualify for anything that works for them. Yeah. Where in fact, if I have the opportunity to talk to them, we could take them out looking for $800,000 homes. Hmm. So. And so do those numbers work with less? Like, um, I mean, there's a large mm-hmm. portion of the population that probably in, in a divorce, I mean, like, it's something sad, like 65% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. So, I mean, there's probably some equity in their home if they've purchased it, but probably not 500,000. So it depends. So, so just think of it like this too, though, when, when the, when they're untangling a married couple, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like they put all the assets in the pile and all of the debts in a pile. Yeah. So maybe it's not 500 in equity, but maybe it's 250 in equity and another 250 from retirement or something like that right so sometimes we have to just kind of piece some of that together yeah um or maybe maybe they do have maybe they're a realtor <laughs> maybe they're self-employed in yeah, some fashion, yeah, yeah. right let's throw just, another curveball yeah. in all of this and so maybe they don't qualify for enough but they have some income, something yeah and maybe we just need to create a little bit more income for them and so in the in the settlement in the um final divorce settlement, we can actually require those funds to be put into a trust account for them. Okay. So that's probably one of our one of our best good tricks. tricks. Yeah. 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 Okay. And it works every time. That's awesome. Yeah. Because it's not really dependent on the person. Right. Yeah. 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 Yep. So so Carla, I'm gonna sum up a little bit here because there's been a lot of really solid information and thank you so much for uh, your time and just sure. you know coming and, and talking with me today. I've learned uh, and so I hope our listeners have too. Um, but just kind of sum up a couple things, a couple action plans, you know, a couple pieces of action. Um, don't feel like you're have to rent. Oh, uh, that, yeah. yeah. And so, so buying is probably actually an option for, for our listeners. Yes. Um, if they're in this situation. Um, secondly, talk to you earlier is better um, yes. to, to start setting in place things and then uh, try to keep the relationship civil. And th- those are like the three takeaways that I hear. Is there anything you might want to add to that? Well, I just want to say, don't just talk to any lender. Definitely seek out a CDLP. So that's a certified divorce lending professional. That's the certification that I have. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that's what has allowed me to work with so many divorcing clients and the experience matters for sure. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think that there's probably not even really an understanding that the situation would be specific enough to seek out a lender besides maybe the lender that they used when they purchased right. the home. Right. Right. Um, 
but that's really good to know as well that there are specific um, certifications uh, and specific programs that are for people in these kind of situations. Yeah. And so finding somebody in that can be in your corner is yeah. clutch. Especially yeah. when you don't know where to start. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, well, cool. Well, thank you so much for listening. My name is Nate Caldwell. Um, and we've had Carla in the studio today. Carla, you have, it's Keys, right? What's the name of your lender, lending? Um, oh, Carla Kite. Carla Kite. The Kite okay. team. Okay, yeah, yeah, the Kite team. So thank you so much, um, <laughs> you. and it's been a pleasure. Thank you.